The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Hope you're all doing well and staying dry out here in this nasty Auburn Opelika weather today. I'll be honest, I didn't look at the weather and I didn't know it was supposed to rain, but it is nasty out there right now, flooding outside as we look out the window here in the studio. But we're inside, we're dry, we're warm, and we are doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope you are as well as you're tuning in to the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN. 106.7 Auburn Opelika, sports leader. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We'd love to hear from you and anything you have to say about conversations we're having or a topic you'd like to talk about or a question you'd like to ask, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Carter, how are you, man? It, it's just I can't get over just how disgusting it is because we haven't had rain in a long time uh yeah i mean it's it's it has not been a pretty day by any uh standard it has been a long time since we've had bad weather i was kind of sitting there thinking yesterday looking out uh out my back window at at my house and i was thinking i wonder when it's gonna rain next and then sure enough here it is today you're just that you're just that powerful to be able to will it to rain whenever you want it right exactly yeah i mean i'm just (laughs) i i i control the uh weather you control the weather well that's good to know i didn't know so it's it's lightning outside we're getting occasional thunder uh thunder rumbles throughout the building so uh if you hear it just disregard it's just the thunder outside it's nothing we're okay we're good so here on this wednesday edition of on the line again 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us and as we were going off the air yesterday we watched the atlanta braves try to come back in the ninth inning with a three-run shot they came within one but then they were unable to complete the comeback they lose game one to the phillies seven to six game two is supposed to be this afternoon uh, around uh, 3.30 or so Central Time. But they're going to have a meeting, uh, according to some of the reports out of Atlanta, because it's bad weather over there also. There's supposed to be a meeting at 3 o'clock Central Time uh, with the teams and in the in Major League Baseball about what they are going to do. Uh, basically, the reports are they're going to try and play, but if they don't feel like they can play the entire game, well, we all want them to play, but they're going to basically, they're saying if they can't get the game in without delays or breaks because of weather, then they'll end up pushing it back. So they're going to meet uh, in about an hour and decide what they are going to do about game two of the NLDS between the Braves and the Phillies. I hope they play. I don't want to have to push this thing back. And for the Braves, you've got to be thinking they want to play as well to try to make up for what happened yesterday yeah I mean you have to bounce back we we talked about that yesterday and the fact that if you don't win this first game game two becomes must win it really does because you're at home you still I mean 
it's a good pitching matchup. It's their ace versus your number two. You still need to find a way to win this game because you don't need to go on the road for two games and then have a game five where you have to win all three. You don't you don't need to go to Philly down 2-0, and that would be disastrous for this Braves team, and I would have a hard time seeing the path for them to come all the way back in this series if that's the case. So they lose yesterday to the Phillies 7-6. to They were down big, and they were down early uh, in this game, and like we said, they came back in the ninth inning. Uh, they scored a couple in, I think, maybe the seventh inning, and then in the ninth, they hit a three-run uh, home run to bring it within one, and then they would ground out, and the game would be over. So today, it's Kyle Wright on the mound for the Braves, and I saw a stat where the Braves are something like 26-1 and when Kyle Wright starts the baseball game and that's a pretty good stat if you ask me and that makes you feel pretty good when you put Kyle Wright on the mound for the Braves but hopefully they play because as of right now they're not going to play if it's if it's pouring down rain in Atlanta it's right on the mound for the Braves and Wheeler on the mound for the Phillies yet again this is a great pitching matchup between the Braves and the Phillies yeah what it's the MLB uh wins leader versus versus the ace for the for this uh this Phillies team, and I I got to think that the way the Braves finished the game yesterday may have them with a little bit of confidence going into this one just because they started to wake up down the stretch. They were really, really quiet to start that game. They were getting guys on, but there was no timely hitting. There was no clutch hitting, and then they ended up cutting it to one in the ninth, and maybe... Maybe that Matt Olson home run and and the day that Travis Darno had kind of helps spur a little action in this one today, and maybe they they start quicker. I would certainly love that. I would love for them to put Wheeler out of the game quickly. I would love to see Acuna and Swanson jump on him to start this game. I mean, it would. We've seen aces in this postseason already get tagged by by opposing teams. I mean, you saw Verlander yesterday got smoked by the Mariners, and then you saw uh, Scherzer and Bassett for the Mets. You've seen, you saw, you saw Max Fried yesterday as well. I mean, you've seen guys struggle that are these supposed aces. Let's see if the Braves can get after Zach Wheeler here today. I think you're right about the Braves probably feeling a little bit better coming into today. After 7-1 feels a lot different than 7-6. Absolutely. And how they ended yesterday, they've got to be feeling a little bit better. Maybe they woke up a little bit having those five days off from playing. But if they don't play today, does that go away any? Or do they carry it into tomorrow if that's when they would play the game? I mean, does the Bra- do the Braves not playing today if that's the result and that's the decision that they come to? Does that hurt Atlanta? I think it does a little bit. I, I mean, I don't think it really matters. I think other than it, it, it hurts Atlanta from the aspect that Philly gets more rest for their pitchers that just threw a couple games the week before. Um, I guess for the Braves, you can make the argument that it gives Spencer Strider an extra day to get back ready to go in this series. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's. A drastic advantage. I don't think it's for ma- either team. major, but I because I think it would just be treated almost like a travel day when mm-hmm. you go on the road and you don't play for one day. Right, I agree. I think they're still going to feel like they're they're playing better now than they were to start the game yesterday. I don't think they're going to play today. I think the weather's probably going to hold that off. And again, 
they're going to have the meeting in about an hour. And if they if they don't feel that they can play the entire game without any breaks or delays because of weather, then they're not going to play and they're going to push it back. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I hope they get it in today. I don't think that'll be the case, but we'll see how it goes. Looking at some of the other games from yesterday and yesterday evening, the Mariners jumped out to a 4 nothing lead on the Astros. America's team was picked up right where they left off from the wild card. And then... They let the they let the Astros hang around, and then uh, Alvarez comes up and hits the hardest oh, yeah. home run ball I may have ever seen with a three run bomb and a walk off to win Game One for the Astros, eight to seven. Yeah, and I I hate that because I hate it so much. I, I hate I, it so I hate much it from just like a fan perspective because the Mariners are so much fun, but from a baseball strategy perspective, the one guy in that Astros lineup that you cannot let beat you is Alvarez and you let him hit a three-run bomb like I just like I I would have preferred literally any any other outcome I would have preferred uh who was it after him in the lineup was it Kyle Tucker uh I would have preferred Tucker um Bregman or Tucker or anybody else down down the order beat you I I would have uh, it bothers me that that the Mariners, because I I'm, I, I want to see what did he have? How many outs were there when it happened? Uh, I don't remember. I want to say were, there were two. I want to say two. Yeah, there were two outs. I know it potentially would have been very very much uh, a criticized move if it didn't work out the other way. Intentionally walking. Yeah. Don't like don't that's the one bat that can flip a series on its head in that one. Yeah, it takes and some you let it happen. Yeah. It takes some major peaches to throw at him with with two guys on the on base and you're down you're up by two, bottom of the ninth. You're trying to get your final out to get out of there if you're Seattle. Regardless, it was a great game. Astros win eight to seven. The the Mariners had thirteen hits, the Astros had eleven, and it ends on a three run walk off home run. Now most people don't enjoy watching the Astros win anymore because of what they did a few years ago. I am one of those people, but it was still a really fun game. And watching, and Houston does have a great postseason atmosphere. They really, really do. And it was cool to see a walk off like that. I like Seattle and I wanted them to win this game. I think they played better than Houston. And again, it's America's team. Everybody's kind of behind the Mariners. I don't know if they come back from this because this was a. A, just a, a heart ripper, right? I mean, the, they reached in and just took their heart out of their chest and stomped on it, did the Astros. And I don't know how you bounce back if you're Seattle because this was a game where you were up four to nothing. You had full command. You just rocked the the uh, Astros ace and Verlander, and then you let them come back and beat you on a walk-off homer in their home place. So I don't know how you come back from this if you're Seattle. I think they'll they'll try, but I just don't know if you can. And Houston, they're just good, man. I mean, yeah, Houston's the best team in the AL, and I think they they showed that with their ability to to kind of weather the storm of the Mariners jumping all over. Also, I do find it interesting that uh, Robbie Ray was in the game there mm-hmm. because Robbie Ray's numbers against the Astros are awful. In his career, the Astros are hitting three twenty eight off him. And they have an OPS of over a thousand, or oh yeah, it's a, it's a thousand ten. 
I mean, Sheesh. what do you like? This is base. It's basically this is the one guy you don't want on the mound. But yeah, they put him out there, and he smoked him, or he got smoked. Yeah, Alvarez. Right. That was that was one of the hardest hit balls I've ever seen. <laughs> like there was, it was an absolute no doubter as soon as he swung the bat, and he had an epic bat flip. I'll give it to him. the The, the crowd went nuts. Place went crazy. Right. Astros win eight to seven. Yankees win last night four to one. Dodgers win five to three. All of the wrong teams won yesterday. Every single one oh, of yeah. them. They all won. But the, the Phillies, the, way, the Astros, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. All the wrong teams won. Robbie Ray's career ERA versus the Astros is six point eight six. Oh, that is terrible. Oh my it goodness. It is the worst he has against any team in Major League Baseball. And they said you got it. <laughs> yeah, I just wow, I, wow. I, I'm I was confused by that in the moment, and uh, the stats bear it out as well. Sheesh, that is uh, that's not good from my calculations. That's not good. <laughs> no. Yankees win four to one over the Guardians. Dodgers win five three over the Padres. Two games today in the MLB postseason. Uh, the Braves and Phillies again are supposed to play at three thirty. They're having a meeting at three o'clock to see if that's going to be the case with the weather. And then the Dodgers and the Padres play again tonight. And this is probably the best pitching matchup you'll see all postseason long. You Darvish for the San Diego Padres and Clayton Kershaw for. The the Dodgers, two guys who are uh, fast throwers, great locators, and just really, really hard to get hits off of. This is a fantastic pitching matchup tonight. Darvish and Kershaw. Yeah, I mean it's it's you're gonna it's a legend of the game in Kershaw, this generation's best pitcher versus the ace for for the Padres, and you can't ask for for a better matchup there from that aspect, from the storyline aspect of it. But you also, I I am interested because it's a must-win game for the Padres. It is. And honestly, it feels like, oh boy, really, it pretty much is. If you lost game one, this next one is a must-win game. That's what I was going to ask you because we know, we know the stats and the percentages on in a five-game series, if you lose game one, the chances of that team, if you win game one, the chances of that team going on to win the series. It's an astronomical number. So the, the Dodgers got out of that 5 nothing lead last night and then kind of were slowly bleeding out, letting the Padres back into it. Padres had some opportunities late, and had they converted – you're talking about a Dodgers organization, a Dodgers fan base that is nervous as all get out here in this one because then you're seeing the ace for, mm-hmm. for, for the Padres. And I'm I still think I think if if you like made me make a decision here, you Darvish is a better matchup. I like I like him going against the Dodgers more than I like Kershaw going against the Padres. Why? Because I think he's a better pitcher right now. I think Kershaw is Kershaw is let's be honest, he's on the back half of his career. He's had plenty of injuries. Uh he's a good pitcher. He very much is. But but I think you Darvish at his best is better than Clayton Kershaw at his best right now. Right now. I think that's fair to say right now and uh, I think it's going to be uh, a great matchup tonight. Let me ask you this, and I want to answer it as well. Of the teams, uh, the status right now, of the teams that lost game one, 
If you had to pick one of those teams to come back and win the series, who would it be and why? Would it be the Braves? Would it be the Padres? Would it be the Mariners? Or would it be the Guardians? If you had to pick one team that lost game one in the DS to come back and win the series, who would it be? It's the Braves. It's the Braves. You're the better team in the matchup. In every other matchup, you're not the better team. The Guardians aren't better than the uh, Yankees. The Mariners aren't better than the Astros. We saw that play out over the course of the regular season. We know for dang sure the Padres aren't better than the, the, the Dodgers. The Dodgers dominated that series in the regular season. I think it was 15-4. to four. Was the was the nineteen game? They, the Dodgers went fifteen and four against the Padres in their nineteen games. Yeah, I mean you're not. Meanwhile, the Braves are better than the Phillies. They are, and they showed it over the course of the regular season. I, they are better positioned to bounce back, um, and I think you're going to see that today. I do too. I think if I had to pick one one team that went down in the first game of the DS to come back and win, it is the Braves because the way you put it is exactly right. They are the better team in the matchup. The other teams are not against their – wow, the, that was a big strike of lightning. The, the, the Phillies are hot. They are. But the Braves are the objectively better team. But they got to play like it. and it, it starts today. And I think all of these teams you could say that went down one nothing in their in their divisional series, game two is a must win. I think that's a 100% fact. And I think the Braves can come back and win. I think they do come back and win. I hope they get to play today. Uh, meeting is in about 40 minutes or so. We'll keep you updated on that. But we got to get to our first break in this first hour. 334-321-1390. That is the number to put you through to us. If you have thoughts on postseason baseball, Baseball, we'd love to hear from you uh, and anything else you want to talk about. 334-321-1390. More of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Go with Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opal, like a sports leader. Well, as we are in the month of October, it's October 12th, uh, MLB postseason is underway. Of course, you've got hockey that started up last night. Uh, the NBA is right around the corner. You're going to have the college football playoff in December. Then you'll have the NFL playoffs in February, in January, February, right? Uh, then you'll, of course, have March Madness in March. And then in April, you're going to have the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and all that good stuff. But, but with the MLB postseason getting underway, Carter, I want to have the question of the day. And I'd love to hear from our, our listeners, 334 1390 what is your favorite postseason to watch it could be professional or college what is your favorite professional or college postseason to well, watch and why let's, let's give both because I both think okay those are different answers because i mean bowl season okay i mean college football playoff is everybody watches it it's entertaining but i don't think it's the best college one i think that that goes to march madness absolutely uh i'm very partial to baseball as a former baseball player, um, college or pro, like postseason, uh, college. I'm, I'm talking about college right now. I'm, mm. I'm running through that and college football playoff. It's all well and good, but all, uh, it's also tough to watch. 
uh, for, for Auburn fans, the team across the state consistently win championships or the team in the state next door. Um, so maybe that's that's part of the, the bias for Auburn fans. But March Madness, because we, we know the Auburn fan base loves loves basketball. We know that that 20, 2019 Final Four run was was truly incredible. Um, but something about baseball postseason in college is it's just different from the aspect that like you get crazy, crazy, crazy stories that can. Like, we've seen four seeds win a national championship. Four seeds are the lowest seed that you can get in a regional. We've seen them win, win the, the, the national championship. We've seen a bunch of them go to the College World Series because they got hot and they beat teams. One of, the, one of the moments that I remember, and it has nothing to do with Auburn, years ago, I believe it was either, I think it was maybe Murray State or Kent State, somebody who's blue and yellow. Uh, they were playing in a regional in it may have even been a super regional in Louisville. And Louisville's closer at the time was one of the Birdie brothers who could throw 103 miles an hour on the mound. And in the ninth inning, down three, bases loaded, two outs, this small school pinch hits a kid who had seven at-bats all year, and he catches a 100-mile-an-hour heater out front and hits a walk-off grand slam. And it's like... That's stuff you don't get in other in other uh, sport postseasons. You kind of get it in basketball because you do get some Cinderella runs. You do get some small school upsets. But like the fact that in the baseball postseason, a literal nobody on a literal nobody team can go be the biggest star in any given moment is crazy to me. Um, professional NBA is not that great. It's always it, NBA has the most overrated postseason of any of the professional leagues by far. Postseason baseball has a different intensity to it that uh, makes you sit on the edge of your seat in tight games the whole time. I love those NFL postseasons. I mean, it's fun. It's great. It is what I mean. But NFL is always king. But I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yes, the Stanley Cup playoffs are awesome. Yes, they are. It is. A different level of speed, a different level of intensity. The craziest stuff happens in the last five minutes of the third period in tight games. Uh, I remember, I remember years ago when I first, or a few years back when I first really started paying attention to the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, watching the Winnipeg Jets play. It was either it may have been the Preds uh, in the postseason, and they had. This defenseman named Dustin Bufflin, who was like six foot two, two hundred and ninety-five mm-hmm. pounds, just a bowling ball, but good was freaky athletic and fast. And he tried to hit somebody on the boards in the postseason. And it's a hit that you don't see to that extent in the regular season. And he missed. And it sounded like a cannon went off in the arena. And I was like, holy cow, these dudes are flying around at a different speed than they normally do. I really think the Stanley Cup playoffs are awesome and i think that they're the most they're the most fun to watch and they're way better than in the nba playoffs that take place at the same time heck and daggum charles barkley who covers the nba playoffs has said multiple times the stanley cup playoffs are the best playoffs in sports they are i think it's awesome and look 
there's so many ways you can go. And if you want to make the argument for golf or NASCAR or something, be my guest. I, I mean, I'm down for that. I'll give my answer later on uh, in the show when we come back to the question of the day. But when we come back from the break, we're going to have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 talking to us about the Georgia Bulldogs and everything they got going on as they prepare for their game this weekend. Jordan Hill coming up when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Well, as we wait to get Jordan Hill here joining us on the show of Dogs 247, Carter, we saw yesterday the uh, the Twitter world, we saw Auburn Twitter get into it with uh, national media a little bit and of course, uh, you know what I'm talking well, about. That was that was that was a couple days. Well, ago. Well, a couple yeah. days ago, but it's continued, and it's I, I saw some stuff from yesterday too, of people still going at some national media members because was some it our, comments. Was it our, our our good friend Jack Hudden. <laughs> I don't he, know. He, like I was involved, and then he got involved. He got involved at like 2 a.m. <laughs> What's he doing up at 2 a.m.? I don't know. Jesus. Anyway, we saw some national media members get and make some comments about Auburn and the situation that Auburn is in right now. And the question is, does the does national media truly know what's happening in Auburn? Do they have it right no. about what's going on here right now? Look, I mean, Bomani Jones chose to make a bunch of statements about nobody wanting nobody would want the Auburn job or at least if he were any coach out there he wouldn't want the Auburn job because, quote, it's not a good job. That's legitimately not true. And it's proven. And there, there's this narrative that that Auburn gets rid of coaches too fast. That's false. I mean, what? Alabama's had four coaches since, the, uh, since 2000 or something like that. LSU's had, I mean, what? They had Saban. Saving less, O, and now Brian Kelly. Tennessee's had a bunch. Arkansas's had a bunch. Georgia's had a few. Florida's had a ton. I mean, like, everywhere you go, there's turnover. Auburn's had, they've got Tuberville. Then you've got Chiswick. Then you've got Malzahn. And then now Brian Harson. That's not that many when you look around the SEC and everybody's got four, five, six, maybe even seven coaches since 2000. But there's a narrative that Auburn fires coaches too quickly. It's not true because, what, Tubbs was the coach at from 99 to 08? And then you saw Chizik got his four years, and then by the end it was really, really bad, and that's why he got fired. Malzahn got eight years. Mm-hmm. And Harson, Hart, like, look, Harson legitimately, there's nothing about his program moving in the right direction. That's why they're going to move on from him. That's why. Right. It's the right move. No, it is the right move. He's, he's had time to show signs of life. And I have not felt good about anything about the program since Ole Miss last year. 
And I think that's why Auburn will eventually make the move. It's not that, look, Auburn has high expectations, right? They do. Auburn has high expectations. Auburn fans have high expectations. But they should have high expectations. And they should. And it's and they do because of what they see going on across the state and what is going on next door. But Brian Harson is not losing his job because he hasn't won a national championship or hasn't beaten Alabama. He's got to lose his job because the program hasn't gone anywhere. If anything, it's gone backwards since he got here. And that's why Brian Harson will lose his job. And he has shown no signs of life at all. No signs of progress in recruiting, transfer portal, or just overall status of the program. That is why Brian Harson will lose his job. And that's sort of where national media, where they look from the outside and they say, well, Auburn just isn't a good place right now. It's easy for them to say that. And we'll get into some at, that some more in just a few minutes. Let's get to the phone lines, though. 334-321-1390. Mike, you're on the line. Welcome in. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, this narrative is driven by what I – if you do a little bit of research, you look at who, who runs a lot of these national media outlets or at least the ones who are making decisions or influencing others within those companies, there's a lot of Crimson Tide and Bulldog Nation interwoven into a lot of these groups. And I'm sorry, I don't care what people may think or not. There's no doubt there's bias out there. There's always been a bias against Auburn anyway, but it's even more when there's blood in the water and the sharks are circling, and that's just what's happening. And I'm glad people are, you know, it's nice that social people can get on social media and blast back a little bit. You know, but Monty Jones is a, is a joke anyway. It's not Agreed. like he, you know, he, he doesn't even talk about Auburn unless it's something like this. I mean, you never hear the words out of his mouth. So uh, kind of just kick that to the side. But a lot of this stuff is just it's from the same mouths or the same people who are attached to the same mouths. And I've, I've told some of my Auburn back that I don't, I don't even pay attention to them anymore because it's pointless. All we need to worry about is Auburn. And there's no doubt that this program is in bad need of reform. Uh, the staff has not recruited well, or mm-hmm. especially from the head coach down. It is not performing well. The players are playing their butts off, but there's only so many that can do so much. And we've got so many things going against us. And the head coach is part of that. So it's time to clean house. Thanks, guys. Hey, we appreciate the call. That's Mike here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390. You can call in and be a part of it as well. You know what's interesting is, and maybe even promising, is when somebody in the national media like Bomani Jones who made the comments about Auburn, and you see Auburn fans just rally together and just blast this guy for like two straight days on Twitter and get behind Auburn. Because I agree. I think he is wrong. But it is promising to a very, very, very weak narrative. It's promising to see Auburn fans, even in the midst of a disaster with the football program, to come together and defend Auburn because that's what makes Auburn special is that it is Auburn. And you have the Auburn family and all that stuff, right? So that is promising to me but where all this is coming from is two days ago Bomani Jones and of course he's with ESPN he does some shows and podcasts with ESPN uh he's very very popular uh with ESPN he tweeted out and he said if I'm Matt Rule of course Matt Rule uh got fired from the Carolina Panthers a couple of days ago he said if I'm Matt Rule I'm rooting against Nebraska every week he'd probably crush it at that job but as we speak Nebraska is tied for the lead in the big way you know he's talking about Matt Rule being 
should be the next coach at Nebraska is what he's talking about. And somebody commented, and they said, don't know about the fit, but what if Auburn moves on from Harson? Between that, the potential buyout and paying Gus, hiring a guy who could let the NFL pay two-thirds of his salary would make sense. And Bomani Jones quote tweeted it, and he said, I mean, someone will take that job, but you'd be a fool to take that job. And somebody, somebody commented on that. And they said, the premier college football job thing is ridiculous. Uh, you can win anywhere. Uh, let's see. Sa- save all of us some time and tell us what your list of good jobs are. If Auburn's not on it, <laughs> you're high. It's what somebody said. And then he responded to that. And this is what really got people going was this one right here. But Monty Jones says, if you think Auburn is a good one, I can assume you don't read much. Also keep in mind, Gus was their most consistent coach since Die went three and five versus Saban, and they still paid him a jillion dollars to kick rocks. Is what he said, and that is where Auburn fans just absolutely went at this it. This is also after people went back and found around the time of firing Gus Malzahn, he said it was the right decision. He said it was time for Auburn to move on from Gus Malzahn. So. When we talk about this Auburn job and the decision to move on from Brian Harson, right now Auburn's trending towards back-to-back losing seasons. When is the last time that happened? It's been a while. The answer is 1998-1999. I was thinking 90s. So it's been that long since you've had back-to-back losing seasons. And if you go back beyond that, I mean, it's you got to go back to the early 80s, I believe. But then in recruiting, last year Auburn finishes outside the top 20. When's the last time Auburn finished outside the top 20 in recruiting rankings two years in a row? Because right now Auburn's, what, 55th? If they're lucky. Yeah, they're they're I think they're we looked the other day and it was their fifty fifth in, in in recruiting. When's the last time Auburn finished outside the top twenty twice? Because under Brian Harson, you're gonna finish outside the the top twenty for sure. It's never happened. Since the two four seven sports has recruiting rankings, team rankings going back to nineteen ninety nine. Auburn's never finished outside the top twenty two years in a row, ever. Ever. So the recruiting's not there. Back-to-back losing seasons. Game planning, in-game decision. Everything is bad. Everything he... And Justin Lee wrote about this in his column this past weekend. The things he told you he was going to be good at, he's bad at. And you want to know a great example of that? Play play every play. Live every day like it's a, what, a fourth-and-one mentality? You had a fourth and one against Missouri, the worst defense in the SEC on your schedule, in a big spot, and you got stuffed for a two-yard loss. He's not good at anything at Auburn. He's not. And that's why there is going to be a change. And it's rightful, it is completely the right move for Auburn to move on. And the next person in is going to have a new football facility. There's going to be buy-in behind them. There's going to be a new athletic director that picks this person. There's a new president that picked the athletic director that will pick this new coach. 
So there's going to be unity there. All that group is going to be in lockstep. Then I think with the people that need to back the head coach at Auburn, that is coming around and that's happening right now. Right. And for the first time in a long time, everything will be in place for Auburn to succeed. And, and I am excited about the future because of that. And with all that being said, that doesn't make Auburn a bad job. That doesn't make Auburn a dumpster fire as a program for years to come. Auburn is still a good job. And Auburn is still a competitive program. And to go on top of that, he had one more, but Monty Jones did. He had one more thing to say before Auburn fans really just let him have it. Well, he got back and forth with me for a little bit. Yeah, he got back and forth with a lot of people. And he said, your boosters make the job bad. And all this, quote, chance to compete at the highest level, quote, is really sun might shine on a dog's rear end once every decade or so. And it's often contingent on Bama being down. So he was which just... Is, which is not true. It's not true. Alabama won 10 games in 2010. 2013, they would have won the West. They would have gone to a national championship. They won, what, 11, 11 games? 12 games? I forget how many. 17, they won the national championship. And then in 19, when you beat them, what? They, what, what did they do in 19? I even, I even forget. Well, it doesn't. I mean, Bama is. They were, they, they, they were a 10 win team. Yeah. They were a 10 win team. When Auburn beats Bama, it's not because they're, they're not down. Down. And that's what I'm saying. So the national media is looking at it from the outside, and they see the, they see Alabama's rival. They the see booster narrative around Auburn is the most overplayed thing out there. It is because it happens everywhere, especially now in the age of NIL and transfer portal and all that stuff. Boosters have never had more power than they do right now. It happens everywhere, but because it's a real it's a real fun narrative for everybody out there about Auburn, everybody just piles on it. Which is why guys in the national media like this, they don't truly know what's happening. They can look at it and say, yeah, oh, wow, Auburn, that's, a, that's just a disaster down there. They, they've really got some things to fix. But they don't really know. And that's what makes our job so special. And that's what makes our position so special and so, and so intriguing and so blessed to, for us to be in this spot because we do this every day. We're here every single day. We cover this team, this program, this school, seven days a week, 365 days a year, whether we're in the studio or not. We know what's happening, and we know how Auburn fans feel. We know how the media feels. We know what the vibes around this town are. We know they don't, and I think that is why it's just it's tough to read these types of things from guys that don't talk about Auburn, don't cover Auburn. I'm not saying they're, they don't know what they're talking about, but in this situation, they absolutely don't. we got to get to break. We'll get to the phone lines when we come back. Ed, hang on. We're going to get you when we come back. We'll take our final break here in this Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. It is disgusting outside right now. It, the rain is coming down sideways, and it 
Oh, God, it's horrible out there. I'm glad we're inside, but hopefully you're all staying safe, staying dry out here in the Auburn Opelika area as the rain pours down outside. 334-321-1390. Let's head to the phone lines before we wrap up this first hour. Ed, we appreciate you holding on, man. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I just had, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll try to go a, a few points. Uh, one on what you were just talking about with, uh, you know, ESPN. Uh yeah, I heard about that earlier. And they're, they're, yeah, I think it was Florida that's uh, been through seven coaches in the time Auburn's been through four. There are several schools, including Alabama, I think Tennessee, several that have been through five. And if if Auburn does, uh, you know, change from Harson, we'll join a group of, of quite a few schools who, who have already done, you know, had had as many. And there's several with Auburn right now, and that's just in the SEC. But but listen, if if Harson, as far as I, I wanted to talk about him remaining at Auburn, if I could. Hello. Yeah, Ed, Hello? yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. Oh, oh I, I thought I got cut off. No, no, no. You're good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I talked earlier, and, and uh, it was going up on a break. I called the show, and uh, you know, I, I mentioned how. To me, there's nothing to be gained by keeping Harson. If he was if he was really trying, and re, you know, really doing the recruiting and everything, doing his job like he's supposed to be doing, absolutely give him the year. But he isn't, and I mean, he's not even getting close to it. But you know, I mentioned to them, and I, I realized that USC didn't actually hire uh, Lincoln Riley until you know after the season last year, but. I don't think any of us are naive enough to believe that that's the first time they had had discussions. And, and he knew where he was going to go, and he probably knew about half of what his staff was going to look like and probably had talked with people at USC, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and thinking about things like that. There is nothing to be gained, you know, from from keeping – and. and one thing about it, just the thing that kind of grates you the most is that Harson has let it be known, and he ran some players off. And if you don't do your job, you're not going to play. You got to do your job every day, and that's why we see some players that we know there are some players behind them that are better. But he said that well, they would. Well, he's not. He's not setting a very good example with what he's. I mean, he's completely. Neglected his job as far as recruiting. You're exactly right, Ed. And, and one more thing, uh, somebody mentioned this to me earlier in the day. I think y'all are wrong as far as uh, him not be. I think he might be the punting guru, and I think Auburn needs to probably because if, if he wherever he goes, he's going to need a couple of good punters. But I think Oscar's the only player that's uh, improved this year. So so maybe y'all he's found his niche. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, that that's that's a fair point, Ed. That's a fair point. Look, Oscar Chapman's a great punter, and he has come in handy for Har- for Auburn and Brian Harson quite a few times. Yeah, and like I said, wherever he goes, they might need to get a backup punter too, because man, that's a big part of his game. All right, guys. <laughs> we pre- hey, man, we appreciate the call, Ed, as we wrap up this first hour. You know, he brings up an interesting point, talking about how. With Harson, his his message mentality is do your job, you know, execution, all of those types of things. But 
like we were kind of thinking, and, and we were thinking it, and Ed said it, he wasn't doing his job, and he's not doing his job, and he's not executing yeah. his duties. And so how is he supposed to expect his players to do that if, as the head coach, he's not doing that? And I think that's that pretty much sums up this ride of Brian Harson at Auburn over his year and a half. I think that, that sums it up perfectly. Everything Brian Harson sold himself as and sold his vision of the program on has not come true. It's all about toughness. It's all about hard work. All this stuff. He's not putting in the hard work on the recruiting trail, like Ed just said, which is 100% true. And then you want to talk about toughness? You've been run on already this year by Penn State and Georgia. You've allowed 15 rushing touchdowns to this point in the year. Credit to the DBs. They've only allowed two, I believe. You've allowed 13, I think, in the last like four games, which is awful. Um... And then you're about to go face a an Ole Miss team that runs the ball better than anybody you've seen so far this year. If you want to talk about you're going to sell a culture of toughness, let's watch what happens Saturday. Because Ole Miss is going to run, and they're going to run for a lot on Saturday. And what's unfortunate is he said all the right things. And yeah. you know what? I think he believes all the right things, Brian Harson, but he didn't do all the right things. And what is really unfortunate is when he was hired and he started making these statements and he started having this attitude and trying to, to make big changes and implement some changes in this program, you could see, and I did, I bought in, and I thought, if this works, this is what Auburn needs to be successful. Auburn needs a guy like this to compete with the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. And you know what? If he had done it correctly... He's been fraudulent. It would work, but he hasn't done it. And it's going to fail, and it is failing right now. Hour number one, officially in the books. We have a whole lot more coming up at hour number two. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway right here on ESPN 106.7 as the rain continues to pour. It is just, uh, I, I, there's no other adjectives to use. I've described it as disgusting, nasty. Uh, that's pretty much it and how it describes the weather right now in Auburn. And it's supposed to be raining for the next few hours. So stay safe, stay dry. Uh, we all know what happens in Auburn when it rains, it floods. And so please be careful, stay dry. If you don't have to go out, I don't recommend it. But 
you can sit in your car or in your house and listen to us for the next hour. We'd really appreciate you doing that as hour number two is officially underway here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcasts or you can go to ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. And you can find it all right there. But in this second hour, uh, we've got a lot more to talk about with postseason baseball, with Auburn and college football, how national media is uh, perceiving Auburn right now. Uh, We had a good discussion about that in the first hour. We'll continue that here in this second hour. Uh, But 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us again. 334-321-1390. Call in. Be a part of the show. Be on the line. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Anything you have that you want to say, questions you want to ask, or comments, questions, concerns, whatever you got, we'd love to hear from you again 334-321-1390 and the Braves are supposed to start game two in about 30 minutes there's supposed to be a meeting going on right now uh, between the teams and Major League Baseball about if that game is in fact going to be played today due to the weather I don't think it will but we'll find out uh, soon enough. I hope they play uh, with the weather. They're trying to decide if they can play the entire game without delays, and if they can, then they'll play, but if not, they're not going to play. Yeah, I don't think they're going to play. it. They could start this game at like 7 and play it. I wonder if they would push it back that far. I mean, because I'm I'm looking at the radar over, over the Atlanta area, and it clears up right around 7 o'clock, and then it's clear the rest of the way. But between now and then, it's just going to be rain over Atlanta. So I doubt they start it if that's the case. If they want to wait that long, they can and then get this thing off the ground and hopefully shouldn't have any issues from that point on. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I hope they get the game in. Of course, Atlanta loses their first game yesterday, right as we were going off the air. Uh, Carter and I were giving you our best updates possible during the game. Uh, They hit the three-run home run in the ninth inning. They pulled within a run, and then they grounded out to to end the ball game. They lose to Philly 7-6 in game one of the DS. So game two is supposed to be today. We'll see if they push it back or uh, even move the game to tomorrow. We've talked about how this is a must-win for the Atlanta Braves in game two we've also discussed how all of the teams that lost game one in the divisional series because it is a best of five and we know how important game one is and how often the team that wins game one goes on to win the best of five series game two is a must win for the teams that lost game one yeah i mean it absolutely is because if you go then if you lose game two there there's no margin for error at any point for the rest of the series you've got to You've got to do what the Braves did to to the Mets to end the regular season and sweep basically a three-game set at that point. And, you know, uh, at least one of those games, depending on what end, end of the series you're on, is on the road. Like, uh, if if these, these lower-seeded teams lose their second game of the series today and tomorrow, then they've got to go play... Um, They've got to go play one game on the road, and then if you're the Braves, if you lose today or tomorrow, depending on when they actually get this game off the ground, then you've got to go on the road, win two, and then come back home and win a third one. And it's just, it's a tall ask, especially because it just feels, it feels much harder to win multiple games in a row in the postseason than it does the regular season. It's just the way that that it's always felt to me. That's why you... You know that 
there's only been what one time that a team has come back from down 3-0 in a seven game set and that was your uh, Red Sox that's right and uh but and they went on to win to win a World Series as a result of that but it's I think it's it's extremely difficult to string together three straight wins in the postseason therefore you have to the teams that lost game one have to win game two and especially talking about the game of baseball that is so different than any other sport because there's so many factors that go into baseball and it's nine individuals that are playing as a team but they are all playing individually as well and it's one-on-one battles with a pitcher and a hitter or a runner and a catcher or a runner and an outfielder like there's so many different battles that are going on in each individual baseball game and for things to go wrong and different things to happen that's why it's so tough to win in baseball and then like you said the postseason adds on that extra mojo and that extra craziness and weirdness and toughness if you will because the MLB postseason is extremely hard, and it's hard to win multiple games in a row in the regular season. It's hard to win multiple games in a row in the postseason, just like you said, Carter. And for your Atlanta Braves, if in fact you are a Braves fan, which I assume most of you are, losing game one yesterday was tough, but you at least showed a little bit of life near the end of the game. At the start of it, it looked like it was going to be nasty. You were down 7-1 to one and showing no signs of life. Your only run was a Travis Darno solo shot. You looked like dead in the water if you were the Braves in game one. But at the end of the game, you started scoring a, a few runs. You pick up a couple in the, I believe it was the seventh inning. And then in the ninth inning, you have a three-run shot to, to get within one. You don't end up winning, but you do show life. And you show mm-hmm. that you've woken up a little bit. Maybe the five days off from not playing, maybe that had a little bit to do with it. Philly having some games under their belt, playing in the wild card. And maybe Philly just being a little bit more motivated in game one because they had already won and they're trying to beat a fantastic Braves team where the Braves on the other hand they know they're better and maybe they weren't fully ready to play this game yesterday yeah it felt like it was a little bit of a team in a rhythm versus a team that looked like they had just taken five days off and were knocking off some rust early the Phillies jumped on them were ready to go Braves had the air by Max Freed, generally one of the most consistent fielders at the at the pitching position uh, in baseball. And then you you combine that with the fact that the timely hitting didn't come until late in the game. It's it's tough to win a game like that when you get down seven one. But you know you did show life. There is maybe because at seven one you did not think the chances of winning were very high. Then you mount a little bit of a comeback. You get it all the way back to one run down. And uh, you and I were sitting here talking, I think, during the break of Matt Olson's at bat. And uh, I was saying, man, I, I I want him to walk. I want him to walk because a three-run home run, almost there's the 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 old myth that uh, that home runs are rally killers because you don't have anybody on base. Right. It almost like washes the, uh, clay, the slate clean for the 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 pitcher I think that uh it's it I would have preferred the the pitcher at the time I forget who it was for the Phillies to pitch to um I believe it was was it Darno next or was it Contreras it was one of those two I'm trying to recall but I would have preferred that at bat to take place with runners on base with a little more stress on the pitcher uh, rather than allowing him to get back into the windup or 
most relievers pitch out of the out of the stretch, but I would have preferred to have had that that I think there's a little more anxiety with bases loaded up four than nobody on one run game, to be honest. Because I feel like you're a hit away from feeling like the game's unraveling where in the one run game you're if somebody hits a single I don't think you really feel like that. That's just my perspective. I could be totally wrong, depending on how how people feel about it. But as somebody who played the game for a long time, that's how I would feel about it. I would I preferred Matt Olson to get on base, and of course he hit a home run, which you can't give Matt at. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 been an interesting uh, first game, and let's see how they the Braves bounce back. So a little bit of an update on tonight's game. There's no official decision yet. Uh, Some reporters are saying they feel like they'll play tonight because looking at the radar, it's supposed to be pretty wet over there until about 7 o'clock or so. But then after that, it's supposed to be completely dry. So some of the reporters are saying their prediction is that they'll play, but they'll play tonight and it'll be a night game around 8 o'clock or so. Again, there is no official decision on game two tonight between the Braves and the Phillies, but that is sort of the feeling as of right now. And... If the Braves, they, this was kind of nice, they tweeted out saying that uh, for fans with tickets for to today's game, gates will open at 3 p.m., uh, which is already happened, and all food and non-alcoholic beverages will be discounted 50% until first pitch. So if you had plans to go, you could just go and hang out at, at, uh, at the Braves Stadium and have discounted food and drink. Not beer, but discounted food and drink so that was kind of nice of the Braves to do but no decision yet on on the game tonight I hope they end up do playing tonight uh and not pushing it to tomorrow and pushing the whole series back a little bit uh but we'll kind of see how that goes the Braves yeah you got to win tonight I think that whether it's tonight tomorrow whatever game two you got to get the victory because then you got to go on the road to Philly but as we get into some more uh making headlines here today on Wednesday October 12th rain continues to pour lightning continues to flash in, into the room and thunder rolling. I mean, it's, it's it's nasty out there right now. As we get into some more making headlines, looking kind of ahead to college football this weekend, of course, tomorrow and Friday, we'll really get into uh, some, some in-depth uh, predictions for college football this upcoming weekend. Of course, Auburn has Ole Miss this weekend. As we kind of transition into talking about Auburn and Ole Miss, the problem is... Nobody has confidence in Auburn. None. I mean, nobody feels like Auburn goes to Ole Miss and wins on Saturday, right? Uh, if, yeah, if you yeah, do, that's why if, they're, that's if, why they're fifteen point dogs. Exactly. If you do, we'd love to hear from you and why three three four three two one thirteen ninety. But I think the fan base has just kind of given up, and they're like, "Well, here we go again. It's another road game. Another probably another loss if the offense can't score." I mean this this is not a situation. Like the last time we talked about a 15-point road dog on this show. This is not South Alabama going to UCLA. I, I felt very confident South Alabama could pull that one out. I don't, you, were, I, you were almost right. I should have been right. Hey-o. As, the th- as I get fired up in time, <laughs> perfectly in Hey-o. step with the uh, thunder out there. Just further evidence that I, I control the, the weather. That's right. But um, yeah, it's this, this game Saturday, there's no signs to me that that Auburn is going to put together an offensive game plan that's going to have any success in Oxford. And I'm willing to bet the second half issues you've seen all year long continue, if not are 
even more so in Oxford. Um, and you're going to see a defense get put in bad spot after bad spot after bad spot and struggle at some point in this game, probably the second half, to stop the run. And I think it's going to be an exhausting game for the Auburn defense. We'll get into that a little bit more, but as you were talking, we've got the TV on ESPN here in the studio. They're talking about Devontae Adams and how he got charged with a misdemeanor assault. If you don't know the situation, it was, that was what, Sunday night football, right? It was Sunday night football, Chiefs and Raiders, and Devontae Adams, who now plays for the Raiders, which makes me depressed as a Packers fan, but... As the Raiders lost on Sunday, Devontae Adams, a star wide receiver, was coming off the field, and he was obviously frustrated from the loss. He was storming off the field, and a freelance photographer for ESPN, by the way, which doesn't really mean anything, but a freelance photographer was in the tunnel and kind of got in and stepped in front of Devontae Adams. Whether he meant to do it or not, I don't know, but he got in front of Devontae Adams, and Adams just reared back and just shoved the dude to the ground and then walked right over him and kept walking and the whole sports world flipped out about it and everybody just lost their minds that Devontae Adams shoved this grown man to the ground and the guy went to the hospital yeah they yeah took him to the hospital that that part of it is almost like performance yeah I mean look he, he that guy fit right into the NBA he flayed it. He look, sold look, it. It was absolutely it was a, sold. It. it was a legitimate push. Oh, he shoved him. There's no doubt. But n- no part of that interaction is enough to cause any injury. And today, Devontae Adams was charged with a misdemeanor assault charge on the grounds of whiplash and minor Dear concussion God. to the photographer. That was minor, what the police report concussion. said. Whiplash and minor concussion. Hang on, I'm pulling up the video again. I'm pretty sure this guy's head no, never touched the ground. Yeah, so that is what the police report was, and I just had to comment on that because it was it was bogus, right? Should Devontae, and I tweeted about this too. He's going to get some money, and he's, yep. he's going to go The guy's away. chasing money. It's fine. Look, should Devontae Adams have shoved a grown man to the ground? No. But does it deserve the overreaction and a lawsuit over it? Absolutely not. And somebody tweeted out, I forget who it was, and I retweeted it, and they asked the question. They said, what are you doing if you're the photographer that gets shoved to the ground by Devontae Adams? It is such a slow fall. I know. It's a very, like, he keeps his feet for four or five steps. I know. And that's what I'm saying. There is no whiplash. There is, in my my non-medical opinion, (laughs) uh, I I don't see where the whiplash and the concussion would happen. Yeah, you're a weatherman, Carter, not a doctor, so stay in your lane. But somebody tweeted out a question, and I responded to it. They said, what are you doing immediately after if you're the the photographer that gets pushed down by Devontae Adams? And you know what I said? I said, I get up and I continue to do my job through adversity like an adult. Like, if the guy is truly hurt and got physically injured, I apologize, and I'm sorry for him. But look, man, you're on the sidelines of a football game, and you cut off a player coming off the field after losing. What do you expect? Who? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think that neither of them were aware that they were any, they were walking into each other's paths. But who? How quickly before the first person said, "Hey, you should ham this up and." file charges and get some money out of Man, he thought about it before he got helped up. He was sitting on his back and said, oh yeah, lawsuit. 
100 percent there's think, no doubt i think it's so dumb it is i agree it's ridiculous but that also kind of goes yeah, to where yeah, we like, are in, like, in today's Devante world should not have done that he should not have and he apologized immediately right afterwards when he realized that he went to twitter and sent out a a, a big apology it, it got hundreds of thousands of and i'm sure he reached out and tried to tell the dude to apologize to him as well the, but, his apology had one of the funniest lines i've ever seen though because he didn't know who the guy was but he just said <laughs> hope you see this yeah <laughs> he did he finished and said hope you see this so i'm sure the guy did it was everywhere on twitter but look man i'm sorry i had to it was on the tv and i the news came out today that he was charged and so i had to at least make a comment because I just think it was ridiculous. Again, if the guy was actually hurt and actually like broke something or had serious like injuries, that's one thing. But just getting shoved, like he didn't get sucker punched, he didn't get kicked, he didn't get tackled. Devontae just pushed him and shoved him to the ground, and the guy got right back up. So I don't know. I think it's ridiculous, but oh, I think it absolutely is. But welcome but to today's he world. He, this is, I mean. Until we're all in that situation, and you're in a situation of, hey, well, hey, I can make a couple million. Couple million? My lord. I bet he's going to get it. I guarantee I, it. He ain't getting a couple. I was going to say, like, a few thousand. No. No, man. He Good he went Lord. he went all through all that trouble to go and file a straight up unless lawsuit against is, an NFL player. Unless Absolutely. he is on life support, you're not getting. A couple million out of He's going to get paid, I'm telling you. I don't know how much because I'm Holy not in that. Cow. He is going to get paid, I'm telling you. He's not going to get a $5,000 check from Devontae Adams. I'm not saying $5,000. I'll just say like ten, fifteen. No, it'll be way more than that. Good it'll Lord. be way more than that. We got to get to break. It's going to be way more than $10,000. When, when you sue Devontae Adams, you're going to get more than ten grand. Are you kidding me? If he looks for millions, he's going to go to court. They're going to be like, you're an idiot, if sir. You, if you're doing it, you may as well go all in. If you're suing an NFL player, Boy. I'm asking him for his entire contract. I don't care what it is. We got to get to break. 334-321-1390. We'll be right back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open like a sports leader. Just so you know, we argued about that through the entire break, about how much this freelance photographer is going to make from Devontae Adams. We argued about it for the last three minutes, so just yeah, so you guys and, know. And the comparisons out of both of y'all in the studio are wild. Yeah, well, we're, we're moving on from this topic. We're moving on because I want to get back to the question of the day that we had in the first half, or uh, the first hour, rather. 334-321-1390. I'd love to hear from you and what you have to answer on this question. Your favorite postseason to watch in sports. And Carter kind of went the route of doing college and professional. And and he had uh, he had his college pick and then his professional pick. You had college baseball. Or you had college basketball, but you talked about baseball, and baseball also. Because baseball's just got to like a I'm partial to baseball mm-hmm. and and it doesn't get the same shine as the other ones, but it's just as entertaining as, as March Madness, and it's just as fun, and like you get crazier storylines than even you do in, in March Madness. It's 
it's a really, really, really underrated, great postseason. And it, it's the storylines are unbelievable. And then you picked the Stanley Cup playoffs for professional. Yes, yes. Going, going back to college baseball for a second. To give you an idea, like, if Butch Thompson wins a national championship at Auburn with the disadvantages Auburn has in baseball... It'll be one of the. It'll be more, way more impressive to me than Bruce Pearl winning a national championship in basketball. Bruce has built that program up to good enough. Like, yeah, I guess you can go history of Auburn basketball is it's, but Butch every year the deck is stacked against him scholarship wise, and to do what he's done, it's been the most impressive thing I've seen an Auburn coach do. In a while. Oh, I agree. I think what he's doing, and, what both of them are doing, is fantastic. Yes, and and I know that Auburn basketball was a dumpster fire, and Bruce deserves all the credit in the world for that. But now he's got it in a spot where, like, realistically, he should compete for the SEC every single year. I agree, and and he should be in the conversation every couple years, every few years, for a team that can make a deep run in, run in the NCAA tournament and potentially win a championship. Every single year in baseball, Auburn is one of two teams, Auburn and Alabama, that have the deck stacked against them. Everybody else has some sort of advantage on them. And that's why you see Auburn should be what Alabama's been in baseball, which is not good for a long time. But Butch Thompson has taken this team to Omaha twice. And then after this recruiting class, after the draft, th- he has the number two recruiting class coming in. The future is very, to steal a Gus Malzahn quote, the future is very bright for Butch Thompson. Did they have a good day of practice today? <laughs> I, I don't think they're practicing out there today. I don't know if you if you looked outside or not. Yeah, it's uh, it's spitting rain a little bit. But I, I want to get to this question real quick before we get uh, to another break. Question of the day: Favorite postseason to watch and why in sports? For college, uh, for me, it's an easy answer. It's March Madness. It is the best time of the year watching. All of the games go on from game one to the national championship. March Madness is just it's something that. I grew up watching it in school. I would have, you know, getting the teachers to put on the game at like the last five minutes of class so you could watch it or even have days where they didn't teach because you just got to watch March Madness. And then as we got into high school, of course, we had technology. So we had iPads and iPhones and, you know, iPods and all that jazz. You know, as as we got older, technology got more. We could watch games on our phones and pull it up on other computers and watching it during school. It was always so much fun uh, to watch that. And then and then going home and and going home and watching it on four or five different screens, right? And having just all the games going on at one time, all day long, all night long, and then going into the next day and doing it all over again. And just the games get so intense. There's so much fun and so many stories on each individual program, each individual player. And I love learning about those things each and every March Madness. But on the professional side... It is, for me as well, the Stanley Cup playoffs because they are so exciting, so intense, and so fast and just so much fun for me. And growing up in Ohio for a long time, uh, I really fell in love with hockey and it is just an absolute blast to watch. And if you don't watch it, I recommend, I highly, highly recommend that you watch it. Uh, it got started last night. All the other teams are playing tonight. If you're, in, if you're looking for something to watch besides postseason baseball and sports, Watch hockey because 
Postseason hockey is fantastic. But regular season hockey is right there. But the postseason in the Stanley Cup playoffs, like Carter talked about, they skate faster, they hit faster, they shoot the puck faster, and it's just so intense. It Nothing touches it. A close NHL Stanley Cup playoff game is the most intense, anxiety-driving thing I've ever watched in my life. Stanley Cup playoffs in an overtime game, you'll never feel anything like it. It can go for a million years, and you're entertained every single second. Exactly. we got to get to a break. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you for the next 30 minutes as we wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us if you'd like to comment on anything we're going over talking about today. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Carter, you were going down a path about Auburn coaches, and I think it plays into what's happening with the football program right now and kind of comparing and contrasting a little bit with Auburn basketball, baseball, women's basketball, and a lot of other coaches at Auburn right now who are having really good success. it's It's more going back to what we were talking about with the Bamani Jones thing and the fact that he does Auburn's not a top tier job or whatever whatever you want to call it all that garbage if you go back and look before Brian Harson, because I think we all can agree Brian Harson is a horrible horrible fit and nothing has gone according to plan okay Gus Malzahn won six or seven Coach of the Year awards in 2013. He played for a national championship in 2013. He won the SEC in 2013. Gene Chizik won a handful of National Coach of the Year awards before Gus Malzahn in 2010. Won a national championship. Won the SEC. Tommy Tuberville before them. Five head head Coach of the Year awards in the SEC and nationally. Undefeated in 2004. Played for the SEC championship multiple times. Had an undefeated season that arguably he should have played for the national championship. Terry Bowden, coach of the year, five different national awards or national or SEC awards, 93 undefeated. If you're not on probation, if you're not the best team on radio, you're playing for a national championship that year. Pat Dye before him won SEC coach of the year, three separate years, three separate awards. He won. Uh, three of them twice and one of them three times. Won the SEC multiple times. Uh, and then 1983, you have a legitimate claim that you should be the national champion. And then you have Doug Barfield, yes. But before him, <laughs> Ralph, Ralph Jordan, who won a national championship, won the SEC a bunch of times. But there is a history at Auburn of... And you don't necessarily have to be that great of a coach before coming to Auburn. Terry Bowden was at Stanford. Pat Dye was at Wyoming. Tommy Tuberville was barely above 500 at Ole Miss. Gene Chizik was 5-19 and 19 at Iowa State. Gus Malzahn had been a head coach for one season. And all of these guys come in, win the conference, 
should be playing for national championships. Championships Did play for national championships, some of them. Won national championships, some of them. But it's, it's this idea that Auburn's not a good job is patently false. Auburn has had a team that could have played for a national championship since 2000 and what, 04? 10 when they did. 13? 17? I mean, you've shown the ability to compete for championships. You've gotten to the SEC championship plenty of times. So this narrative that Auburn's a bad job and you can't win at Auburn and that Auburn has fallen behind Ole Miss and, heck, Texas A&M. What has Texas A&M done since coming to this conference? What have they done? Nothing. They have not won the division one time. Not once. The only teams that have since they've joined the conference. Alabama, Auburn, LSU. That's it. Heck, last 15 years, that's it. To go, I just just want to say that this this narrative that Auburn's a bad job is ridiculous. Auburn is one of the 15 jobs in America that you can compete and win a national championship. It has been proven. It's happened in the semi-recent years. You don't have to go back far. It's not like you're going back 30 years. 12 years ago. You won a national championship. Nine years ago, you played for a national championship. Arguably should have won that game. No, not arguably. <laughs> they, they should have won that game. The, the, the idea that this is a bad job is lazy. It's a garbage narrative. It's an over, oversimplification of what's going on at Auburn right now. And it's if you're saying that in public as a national media member, you don't know what's going on at Auburn. Because Auburn's, Auburn's got the facilities. They've got the NIL money. They're starting to get the alignment together. They've got a new athletic director. They're, they're going to get a new athletic director here that is, that is going to make the decision on this next head coach. They're, they're going to be in lockstep with your new president. Everything is coming together for Auburn to be a really, really good job. It seems like good thing, it, despite the, the, the narrative around Auburn and despite the negatives that are happening with the football program right now and, the, and just the, the, the down years that we've seen over the last two years from Auburn, it seems like the things on the back end are starting to come together, the things that you just talked about. And for... A lot of people who are not a part of Auburn or not in Auburn or don't cover Auburn for a living or even cover the SEC or cover a team in the SEC, it's easy for them to to look at Auburn and say, wow, that's a bad job. That's a place you don't want to be. Look at the boosters. Look at the fans. Look at the expectations and look at what their rivals are doing. And I think that has a lot to do with the bad narrative and the bad rep that Auburn has because of what Alabama and Georgia are doing. Citing fans there is just not fair. It's not fair. The fans right now... Have you seen the atmosphere against LSU? I'm not saying that. I wouldn't say that as a bad thing. 
But I wasn't saying that. Be, I'm be, saying outside media looks okay. at fans that way. That's what I'm saying. I wasn't saying that as a bad thing for Auburn fans. They should have high expectations. And, and the fans have done their job. There's no doubt. I don't think Auburn fans have that ridiculous expectations. I'm not saying it's ridiculous expectations. I'm saying that national media puts that, they put fans as a part of all of these things, like a guy like Bomani Jones who looks at Auburn and says it's a bad job. I'm saying he includes that. I mean, I guess, maybe, but 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 I just like... I'm saying that they look at that as a negative. I don't think so. Auburn all, fans should have high expectations. All you need to cite as far for anybody that has any clue around college football, when you talk about the Auburn fan base, you talk about the fact that it's one of the hardest places to play in when Auburn has a decent team because the atmosphere is through the roof. 100%. And the fact that Auburn's had such a great environment at two games that they've lost that it's helping recruiting despite the fact that the product on the field is garbage. Mm-hmm. I know. No, I know. And that's, I wasn't saying that as a bad thing. And if it came off that way, I apologize because that's not what I meant. What I was saying was national media, when they talk about Auburn being a bad place to be and a place where coaches shouldn't want to go, all of that plays in. But what Alabama and Georgia are doing plays into that as well. And how different would the perception of Auburn be if Alabama wasn't what Alabama was? And if Alabama hasn't or didn't do what they've done over the last 10 years, right? Even if Auburn didn't have any more success than they've already had, if Alabama didn't do what they did, would the perception of Auburn be as bad as it is right now? I don't think so. I really don't. And I think that plays into guys who don't cover Auburn on a daily basis saying things like, Auburn's a bad job, and if you take that job, you're a fool. The other narrative that is the, well, you have to play Georgia and Alabama every year. Yeah, okay, for 2023 with this new coach, then pod scheduling comes out. It's going to. That's the most logical step for for the conference. And the literal SEC network dropped their hypothetical ones, what, a year and a half ago, whenever the Texas-Oklahoma thing uh, dropped. Auburn's pod was Alabama, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt, which means those are the teams you play every year, and then you take two out of the other three each year, and you rotate. So you're not playing Georgia every year in that scenario right but up to this point that has made it a the the toughest job in america when it continues to be cited i think that's lazy because you are not taking into account that the sec is going to have to go to pod scheduling literally in two years in 2024 when when these other two schools join the conference and at that point and if anybody else joins the conference highly unlikely that Auburn's, if it's a true pod scheduling setup, Auburn is going to be in a pod with Alabama and Georgia. I doubt that happens. And if they do, if that happens, Auburn better riot. If that happens, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If that happens, Auburn should go to the ACC. Auburn should ditch. Screwed. Yeah, yeah, they should ditch the SEC and, and say Sirenar. I don't think that happens. We'll see. But we got to get to the full lines. 334-321-1390. Dak, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. What a beautiful day, huh? Yeah, it's oh, gorgeous yeah. outside. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of glad to see this rain, man. It's been forever. Yeah, it's it been, a been a long time. Hey, you just wanted a break from work, Dak. We know. <laughs> hey, guys, man. Look, we're still paying from the national media. We're still paying from the standpoint of how we look when we when Tuberville was uh, the coach and we got in the jet and went to Louisville. Yep. That all this is strictly based off that right there because I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. when Penn State fans were here in Auburn 
and I got to meet several of them, eat with them, drink with them. Every one of them asked me the same question, and this was at different tables, different times of the day, asked me about that, and is the uh, boosters that involved in everything? And I said, no. I said, it is not nearly as bad as it the way the media makes it out. Mm-hmm. And every one of them asked me this, the same thing. I agree. And so we're still paying for something that happened 20 years ago. Agreed. And uh, and then I, I do want to touch on this. I don't uh, want to go in this too far, but Barfield was not a bad coach, guys. He was a pretty damn good coach, man. you got to think about if he had Alabama's schedule. I mean, he finished with a 29-25-1 record. And if we played Florida, Georgia, and Alabama three weeks in a row when he was the coach, just like Coach Dye did. But, I mean, he wasn't a bad coach now. I mean, I, I, I think when you look back historically, the Barfield years are not looked on fondly, because especially well, because he's sandwiched between Suge and Dye. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, he took the fall or, you know, and he was a head coach. He had to, you know, got us on probation. So that's what he's known for. But as far as a football coach goes, he he was a pretty good football coach. Mm-hmm. And, Dak, unfortunately, when you have a coach that does get into that kind of trouble and puts a program in a situation like that, that's normally what sticks rather sure. than what they did on the field, you know? Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, that's that. just kind of how – unfortunately, that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, it's, it's followed Bruce Pearl to Auburn, even though Bruce Pearl has right. done nothing himself right. to get in trouble over several, several, several years here in Auburn. Right, right. But, but you know, and then let's go – let's talk about this year's team and, and Ole Miss. I mean, everybody expects us to lose every every week here on out. The question is, do you see one game that's remaining on our schedule where we can score over 21 points? No. Arkansas and Western Kentucky are the yeah, only ones. Yeah, but I was, I was looking Arkansas's at SEC. Defense, Arkansas's defense is that bad, and then Western Kentucky is a, a G5 team. But I, I still don't see a score in twenty one points. Not on offense. Maybe I, I mean I mean I, I think you can. It's a matter of to to me the, the, the Arkansas game comes down to is KJ Jefferson healthy. If he's healthy, they're better than you. I, I don't care how bad their their defense is. Right. Exactly. They'll yeah. keep the ball away from us. We'll be three and out and they'll they'll hold, you know, the minutes. Uh, five times to ours, right? And, and 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 Dak too. I'm looking for defensive scores because obviously you don't, you can't expect the defense to score a ton. But can Auburn force enough turnovers? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, can yeah. the defense and force some turnovers? Get a pick six or something, man. I mean, the, the, the offense needs yeah. some help. Right, absolutely. And we're not getting that. I mean, it's just bad all around. You're right. You You're know, right about it, man. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we appreciate the call, Dak, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. we got to get to our final break. We'll come back and wrap it up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. 
Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here for the next couple of minutes on ESPN 106.7. Make sure you stay tuned, though. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck right here on ESPN 106.7 from 4 to 6, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But uh, kind of scrolling through Twitter during the break, and Auburn basketball's pro day was today, and just kind of looking at some numbers of some of the guys that uh, were, you know, competing and showing off in the in the pro day Jalen Harper has the highest vertical jump on the team that is Jared's younger brother who well, transferred he's, he's from tied with Al oh he's tied sorry he's tied with Alan Flanagan for the highest vertical Jalen Harper of course uh, Jared Harper's younger brother he transferred from Florida Gulf Coast if you didn't know that so that's interesting that he's tied with Alan Flanagan for the highest vertical jump on the team uh so uh, didn't expect to read that but good for him I guess I forgot that Jalen Harper was on the team, and uh, that excites me, man. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, the news also today is that Alan Flanagan is back with the team. Of course, uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago now, he he stepped away from from the team, from the program for personal issues, personal reasons, whatever. Um, nothing really came out about it. He didn't say what the reason was. Obviously, there was speculation, which I don't like, especially in a personal issue situation where a guy takes time away from the team. Uh, but he's back with the team now, and he is practicing. And of course, Auburn gets started in about a month. I think it's a, it's less than a month now. They start beginning of November. So that is good news that Alan Flanagan is back with Auburn basketball as they get ready uh, to open up the season. And they've got some great non-conference games. The full schedule's out, uh, SEC and non-conference schedule. Uh, we got matchups, locations, times, TV, all that good stuff. So Auburn basketball is right around the corner, man. I know we're still in football season, but uh, basketball is right around the corner. I can't wait. I can't wait. Auburn basketball has been that uh, ray of sunlight the past few years. <laughs> uh, it's been the most exciting thing going on in Auburn, um, and they're really, really, really fun to watch, and I cannot wait to see them get out there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this team comes together just because there are going to be new faces yet again. Uh, you obviously lose Kessler, you lose Jabari, so you lose your two best players off last year's team. How do they fill in those holes on the roster, and how does everybody look over the course of the entire season? I'm so interested to see how it all plays out. I think this team, I've said it a couple of times, and I'll continue to say it, I think this year's Auburn basketball team will be better than last year's team as a team. It's going to take them a little bit to get going, and you know what? They may even drop a couple of games in non-con play, and they, they may will. drop some games in, in early SEC play. But, but I they, think... like I say that every time, and then they just don't lose non-con games. <laughs> I know. They, I they always like, play well in non-con. This team is going to be... It's going to have to... Figure out who they are, fill out their feel out their roles, and they'll lose some games in non-con, and then they just don't. They just don't. But I think this team will, just because they've got a lot of talent, but they haven't all played together yet like that. Additional update: weather update from the Atlanta Braves. Yes, I just saw that. There will be another weather call around 6 p.m., but current forecasts suggest. Starting the game around 7.30 to 7.45. Eastern time, so 6.30 hour time. So hopefully they get this game in tonight. I really, really hope they do. But, hey, look, man, we complained enough about the starting times for the Braves, and now they've got a primetime game. So here we go. Exactly, it's perfect. We're we're just that much – we just hold that much power here in (laughs) Auburn that you control the weather, I control start times of the Braves in the playoffs, and – 
we're just that good, right? We're yeah, just that no, good. for real, right? <laughs> totally. We're just, well, hopefully the Braves get the game in tonight. Uh, again, like Carter said, they are looking to have a tentative start 6.30 or 6.45 Central Time. Uh, hopefully they get that game in. We know how important it is, and I hope that they don't have to push it back to tomorrow, and now they're going to get a night game. Hopefully the crowd still shows up tonight, um, even with it being a night game. Hopefully they'll show out in the rain if the rain stops because we've seen some really good atmospheres for the Braves at uh, over at um, in Atlanta, and I think that would be big for them to have a crowd over there again tonight in a game where we've said, it's a must win against the Phillies yeah I mean I cannot wait to watch that game tonight I'm gonna be glued to my television watching watching that and rooting the Braves on and hoping that the bats are alive a little earlier and uh yeah I mean, there's all kinds of stuff on tonight man you got two baseball games Braves Phillies and then you got Dodgers Padres hockey really gets going tonight both of my hockey teams start playing tonight the Bruins and the Blue Jackets they both play and there's a college football game tonight did you know that Louisiana and Marshall tonight, 6.30 on ESPN2. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like some Wednesday night college football. Sun Belt, uh, baby. Yeah. Sun Belt. Hey, man. No hate here. No Mar- hate here. Marshall's really kind of fallen off, by the way, since their, their upset of Notre Dame in South Bend. Um, very interested to see how they play out the rest of the Sun Belt season. They're 3-2. They, and two. They're 10.5-point favorites. Their wins are over Norfolk State. Gardner Webb and Notre Dame and they have losses to Troy and Bowling Green. Yeah, and they lost that Troy game by a great score of 16 to 7. Yep. Yikes. Well, there's a lot of sports on tonight. Pick a couple of them and go watch them. Enjoy your evening. Stay dry, stay safe. We will be back tomorrow for the Thursday edition of On the Line. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>